Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. You know, this morning, maybe you woke up and you sort of looked outside, thought it was a great day and you were struggling with the thought of, do I come or do I stay or go to the beach or, you know, while you guys were making that decision, there were people here that were sound checking and sweeping outside, making coffee, all of that thing, all of that sort of stuff. So I'm so grateful uh, for the amazing team that we have. So, so good. Well, if we, uh, if we haven't had the privilege of meeting, my name is Noah, and uh, it is my absolute privilege to be able to share the word with you today. Um, we are one church in four locations, uh, so my wife Michelle and I have the privilege of serving Reedy Creek, um, and uh, this weekend we've got a lot of our team that are away. Actually, uh, combined with the school, we have a group that are out at our St. George uh, campus right now as we speak. Uh, Pastor Ben and some others are, are up in Mac- Kai ministering up there uh, this weekend, but uh, there is no better place to be right here in the southern end of the Gold Coast, amen. Come on, say it like you mean it, amen. <laughs> well, if you've been with us for a little while, you'll know that we've been in a series called Faith, Hope and Love. Uh, based out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, now these three things remain, faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. And, and when it comes to these uh, traits, this trinity of traits, you know, faith is something that we can grab hold of. We know that without it, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God because everyone that comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When it comes to love, we know all about it. We know that God had so much of it that it caused him to send his one and only son uh, who would uh, die for us and whosoever believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. But when it comes to hope, hope can sort of be a little bit sort of, um, you know, I kind of liken it to, it's a little bit of like a, uh, a airy-fairy, sort of uh, flimsy, flaky sort of emotion. Uh, that's sometimes what our perception can be. I want to tell you that nothing could be further than from the truth. Uh, in fact, the Bible actually says that uh, hope, hope, sorry, I'm referring to, hope is an anchor for our souls. Uh, hope is heavy. Hope is strong and secure. And hope is the only thing that God actually attaches his name to. Actually, in uh, Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hope uh, is so important that God actually attaches his name to it. And so today I want to speak to us about um, what that actually looks like, uh, that this God of hope, uh, how he actually uh, functions when he turns up. And we're going to look at a situation of uh, absolute hopelessness and, uh, and, and we're going to see how the, um, the God of hope turns up and what he does. And I believe that in this, uh, there are some keys and some uh, points that will help us to be able to navigate through those times where we're dealing with disappointment or we're dealing uh, with things that haven't quite turned out the way we planned. And I want to tell you that the God of hope is with you and the God of hope is for you. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you come with me to the book of Luke chapter 24. The book of Luke chapter 24. And um, 
We're going to be reading from verse 13. And uh, just to set this up, this is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, that is the backdrop, Resurrection Sunday. And early that morning, a group of women, uh, followers of Christ, have turned up to the tomb only to discover that the stone has been rolled away and that the uh, tomb is empty. And an angel comes and says, uh, what do you seek the living amongst the dead? Uh, he's not here. He has risen. They go back and they tell the disciples they don't believe them, but Peter and John get up and they run down, they check it out, and lo and behold, they're right, um, it's empty. So later on in that day, uh, something happens, and uh, we're going to read about a couple of guys, and this story is, is known as the road to Emmaus, um, and, and what happens on there, because... Um, the situation has gotten so bad for these guys, you know, you have to imagine that these guys are actually, the Bible says, locked up in this room uh, for fear of the, of the, uh, of the authorities uh, because they may, maybe they're thinking that these guys are, are going to accuse them of coming at night and stealing the body of Christ. And, and so they're already in fear because they've just seen what's happened to Jesus. And now they're in greater fear because they find out that the body's no longer there. So it's uh, sort of in the afternoon, and we're going to pick up in verse 13. It says this, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That last line there pretty much explains everything. But we had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped that he was the one that was going to relieve us from Roman oppression. We had hoped. And because they had lost hope, they are now walking away. Have you been there? We had hoped. I had hoped that he was the one but he cheated on me and left me anyway. I had hoped that she was it, but she backstabbed and gossiped and betrayed me. I had hoped that that was the workplace, that was the, that was the career choice that I had. I had hoped that that was it, but it hasn't turned out that way, and now I don't really know what to do. I had hoped that this was the church for me, but they upset me and offended me, and now I'm walking away. When, whenever our expectations and our experience don't line up, that's where you find a loss of hope. So these guys, their expectation of Jesus was this, but then they see him arrested, beaten, nailed to a cross. They see him die, his body wrapped and put in a tomb, and they say, I'm leaving. 
And so they get on this road and they head back to a place called Emmaus. They head back and on the way, this is the first thing that we find that hope does. Hope steps into their sadness. Hope steps right into where they are. You see, if you were, if you were to know the God of hope, you'd, this is one thing you need to know about him. He doesn't wait around until you get your act together. He doesn't wait around until you've got enough faith. You should know better. You shouldn't be like this way. No, no, no. The God of hope will step into your sadness, your sorrow, your struggle. He will step into that situation that other people may not step into it, but the God of hope is not intimidated by it and he will step right into that situation. Bible says it's seven miles. That's 11 kilometers. So it's a little bit like walking from here to Pack Fair, uh, Pacific Fair over at Broad Beach. That's not a quick walk. That's about a two and a half hour walk. And yet here we find hope coming up alongside of them. And he doesn't zap them there. He doesn't teleport them there. He doesn't fast track them. No, no, no. What hope does is it's step by step. It's minute by minute. It is moment by moment. It is line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. God is in this because it's a process. He doesn't just zap you and automatically you are there. You've got it together. No, no, no. He comes alongside of you and he walks every step of the way. It's amazing because God doesn't Jesus didn't reveal himself to this group of women that came early that morning with all the spices or, or to Peter and John. And if that was me, you know, I would make a big scene. I would be levitating off the ground and saying, what up now? I'm back. But he doesn't do any of that because sometimes, sometimes we're looking for God in the epic and God shows up in the everyday. He shows up and he's just walking along with these guys. He just looks like them. I mentioned Elijah before and Elijah has this moment where he encounters God and the Bible says that a windstorm breaks forth, but he, he wasn't in the windstorm. A massive earthquake breaks forth, but God wasn't there. A fire, but he wasn't there. And then there's a still small voice and Elijah knows he's there. We look for God in those epic moments and God turns up in our everyday. When you're dropping the kids off at school and it's chaos and you're saying, you pack your lunch, you got your consent form, you've done your homework, all this stuff, and we're, God's there, he's with you. When the alarm clock goes off and you don't want to go to work and you just hit the snooze and that God's right there, God of hope. When you're coming back late and, you know, you don't quite know uh, what you're going to do, there's tension at home and, and stuff, all this everyday stuff, God is there. Sometimes we can get so addicted, I think, to those big conferences and those big events and, and those big moments, and I'm all for that. But this is the God of hope who will show up in your everyday. He will show up in those moments. And so that's what we find him doing here he comes alongside of them and he turns up right in the middle of their sadness step by step and then in verse 25 it says this it says he turns to them because they explain everything that has just happened 
And he says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explains to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So after he steps into the situation that they're in, check out what he does next. Hope reveals to them the world through the word. Hope reveals to them the situations and circumstances that are around them that they are seeing, not through the lens of their own expectations and what they thought, but through the truth, the infallible word of God. And I believe that in this, um, in this time, you know, as we kind of look at 2020 and so many people are quick to write off 2020 and let's cancel 2020, let's go straight to 2021. There's been so much drama and chaos. Uh, and in the midst of that where God is saying, don't look at it through the lens of what the world is telling you and fear and anxiety and all of these emotions you might have. Because the truth is that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. That God is able to make all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his word. That, that God is like a master chef that will take the good and the bad and the ugly of your life and he will put it all together and produce something amazing. That he is able to take all of these things so we're not to be lost in what we see but we've got to stand on the truth of what he says. You know, if you were to kind of look at this and, and I know some people would say that is half empty and other people would say, no, 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 that is half full. And it tends to be that it's the optimists amongst us that would say that is absolutely half full. And maybe it's the pessimists that are saying, no, 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 have a look at it. That is half empty. The truth is that the world will limit our situations and everything we see down to certain options. But the truth of the, of the Word of God is that's not half full and it's not half empty because Psalm 23 says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forevermore. It's not half full or half empty. God is still working and there is more in store. And so we don't look at our lack and we don't look at the things that we don't have or maybe the things that we do in a little... God's not finished and there is more. I'm not limited by what I see on the news and that because that is not my lens. My reference point, I am looking at everything is through the Word of God that does not change. So I'm not moved by the circumstances around us because I know that the Word of God has the final say in every situation. And so these guys have seen one thing take place as tragic as it is. Jesus comes alongside of them and he begins to unpack scripture, starting with Moses all the way through. And he literally walks them through over two hours. How would you be? The living word, giving you a Bible, uh, a Bible lesson on the written word. And he's just going through, packing, unpacking it. That's what it is. You know, when Moses instructed the people to take that lamb and to 
drain its blood and put it up on the, uh, on the lintel and the doorpost. It's a Passover lamb. That was the Messiah. That was the picture of he who was to come, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, prophet after prophet, all of these times. So he unpacks this and he shows them that it's not just about what they see, but it's based on what God says. And, and that's the truth of, of that. And so Luke 24, 28, it goes on and he says, as they approached the village, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Hope steps into your sadness. He shows you the world through the word. And then hope serves the hopeless. Hope serves the hopeless. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And when he gave it to them in that act of serving, the Bible says that their eyes open and they see who he is. It's actually John who tells us in his gospel that Jesus calls himself the bread of life that has come down from heaven. And he's making a comparison about that time in the wilderness where the, it's all right, it's paid for, that's all good, it's, uh, it's all good. And he's talking about that moment where um, the Israelites are in the wilderness and uh, bread comes from heaven and, and they go and they pick it up off the ground and, and they say, manna which means, what is it? What is it? Bible says it's like a wafer substance. And, and now as they, as they took that bread, they're saying manna. What is it? But you have these two, as they take this bread, they're saying Messiah. It's him. It's him. And he disappears so what was concealed in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. And they see he's not a prophet. We got it wrong. Disappointment and heartbreak caused us to reduce who God was. And we just said he's a prophet. But in that act of serving, their eyes are open and they see he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. It is him, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. It is him, the uh, lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star. It's him all along. And all of that happened when that act of serving took place. This is the power of those of us as believers. The hope that we carry is not just for us. The hope that we carry is so that we can give it, so that we can dispense it. That's the purpose that we are carriers of this hope, that it's not just so that we benefit, but it's so that we can impart it to others. And that's the whole thing about this uh, being good news is that uh, there are so many people around us in our workplace, our families, our neighbourhoods that are dying because they need to have this hope given to them. And God has called us as people of hope to be dispensers of hope. The Bible says that 
goes on and they have this conversation after Jesus disappears. Verse 32, they say to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together. So after hope steps into their sadness, shows them the world through the word and serves the hopeless, the final thing hope does in this situation is it sends them back to their calling. It sends them back to their calling. The actual name Emmaus means warm baths. Kind of sounds weird, but that's what it means. It means warm baths. And I don't know about you, but uh, if there is one thing that I love to do to relax, it is a warm bath. So uh, we used to live in Tassie a few years ago, and we ended up buying this house in part because uh, in, their, in the main bathroom was amazing, but they had a tub that was big enough for me to fit in. And so uh, I thought that is definitely, that is, a, that, that is a deal maker right there. And so you can imagine those cold, wintry, Tassie months, come home, weary, all of that, crank that tub, and I would just sit and soak. And I am sorry about that visual, but... Um, <laughs> But that was my thing, and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Emmaus was a place of comfort. And often what happens when we lose hope or we're dealing with disappointment is we leave one place and we seek out that which makes us comfortable. But hope causes them to not be able to settle in comfort. They have just got there and now it's night time. But because of what they've experienced, they get up at that very moment and they 11 Ks back, all the way back. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that it took them a lot shorter time to get back than it did to get there. But they don't wait till morning. They don't wait till, you know, the next day. They get up at that very moment because this is the thing with hope. Hope will cause you not to settle for the comfort zone, but to get back to the kingdom. You weren't called to settle in any comfort zone. You were called for the kingdom. And that's what these guys realise. It is my belief that these two guys, the reason, one of the reasons why they were travelling in pairs, because they've travelled in pairs before. Bible says that they were part of the followers of Christ. And I believe that they were part of the 70 that Jesus had previously empowered and sent out ahead of Him to minister in these towns. And now, they, because of disappointment, in pairs they walk away. But they are heading back to that place, to the thing that they were called to, because they can no longer settle in a place of comfort when they were called to the kingdom when they were called to something so much greater. And I don't know who this is for, but I just felt like there is some of you maybe in here and maybe at some stage in your Christian life, you felt like you were called to something 
and something happened and you kind of, it's like a detour. I want to tell you that this moment, God is calling you out of where you were and sending you back to the calling that He has placed on your life. It is not too over. It's, it's not too late and it's not over yet. But God is calling you out from that place of comfort and back to the place of calling. Uh, 2018, uh, we arrived here on the Gold Coast and, um, and we had been, because of my work uh, with the government, we'd moved all around the country and we'd kind of been, I think, in three different states for the past four years. And so um, we were kind of planning on going elsewhere, but, uh, you know, uh, spoke with pastors uh, Ben and Trish and found that they were coming here. So we decided to uproot our family um, in Sydney at the time. And, and, and we had, both my wife and I had great jobs and career paths and kids were um, uh, sort of set to go to great schools. And we had everything sort of mapped out and planned, uh, but we felt the call to get up and, and we came here and um, never having lived on the Gold Coast or know anything about this part of the coast in particular, we landed here. And, and so, you know, we get here, uh, no jobs, uh, no kind of prospects, just kind of following what we believe God's calling us to. And, and at one point, we're sort of unpacking all of this stuff that's in our garage. And, um, and, and up on the garage, if we've got that image, if we can just throw it up, um, we had this framed sort of thing. This is my um, daughter, and she's holding this framed uh, thing that says hope. And it was hanging up in the garage. And I remember at one point looking over and because of all the movement and stuff, it had actually fallen and it was tilted and the H had actually broken off. And now it looked like it spelt nope instead of hope. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, if I was superstitious, you know, already feel insecure about this move and what we're doing. And, you know, there are so many gaps and questions and all of that. And I looked at that and I remember taking it down and fixing it and repairing it. And she grabbed it and I took a photo of her uh, after we fixed it. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying that despite all of the changes, despite all of the moves, despite all of the uncertainty, that the thing that we needed to do was to grab a handful of hope. It's all you need. Just grab one handful of hope. When Jesus served them the bread and they received the bread. They were literally grabbing a handful of hope. And if you just have one handful, that'll be enough to get you to the next thing. And we've seen God do some amazing things and open amazing doors. And we're so blessed and feel called to this place and so grateful. But it, it started with a place of uncertainty and a place of feeling, you know, have we done the right thing and all of this? But I want to tell you that as you begin to take those steps, as you begin to move, that the God of hope, He hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He is right there with you. He is right there with you in your struggles, in your sadness or your sorrow. He's right there with you to reveal to you that it's not all based on what you see or how you feel that the infallible Word of God does not change. And that's the thing that will come to pass. He's the one that will serve hope to us when we're feeling hopeless. But on top of that, He will call us out of our comfort and He will call us back to our original calling. 
and to the kingdom that He has prepared for us. The Bible says a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There's a lot of things that can be shaken and moved, but that is not one of them. And so in this final moment, I just feel like for some of us, we're at this point where we're sort of feeling, man, I don't really have hope for this particular area of my life. And I'm just going to stand with you in agreement and tell you that you're here because the God of hope is here to meet with you and that you are not going to leave the same way you came here. God has so much more for you and that God is going to send some of you back to that original calling that He placed on your life. So can I just ask in this moment that you bow your head and close your eyes and Maybe some of this resonated with you and maybe it spoke to where you're at, how you're feeling right now. And if that's you, I'd, I'd love to know who I'm praying for. Would you just raise your hand because I really want to seal this word in you because I believe that God has more for you. It's not over yet. And it doesn't matter how dark the road that you're tra traveling, He is right there to walk alongside of you awesome. Father, I just pray for every hand raised, Lord God, every person that is responding right now. I thank you that you are the God of hope and that you are stepping into their situation right now. I thank you, Lord God, for a turnaround. I thank you that you are opening their eyes to see, Lord God, the things that you have prepared for them. I thank you, Lord God, that you are calling them out of their comfort and into that calling that you have on their lives. I thank You, Lord God, that there is so much more for them and that as they receive the hope that You have for them, that You are dispensing to them right now, I thank You, Lord, that they will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Let's, uh, let's sing that. Um, yeah, let's sing that. And as we do, may the God of hope continue to give you comfort, and peace and joy and vision and fulfill everything that He has promised you. He is the one that will never leave you or forsake you. He is the parakletos that comes alongside of you and takes the steps with you. He is for you, He is not against you and He is here right now. So why don't you lift your hands and why don't we just proclaim these truths to the Lord? Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.